Hello and welcome to The Real Heroes of E-Commerce. I'm your host, Jason, and this is the next episode in our holiday series, Jingle All the Way. All right, today we are talking with Brian Taylor about returns and the impact it has on e-commerce businesses and on the environment. Brian is the founder and CEO of Halfback. They help brands with their shipping and returns, and they are also building a unique marketplace to keep returns from ending up in the landfills. This is a really interesting topic and one that is not often had in e-commerce circles, so I hope you enjoy it. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the newsletter at heroesofecommerce.substack.com so you don't miss out on the follow-up article. Okay, Brian, how are you doing today? I'm good, Jason. How are you? Doing well. So before we get started, just uh, give us a brief background about yourself and what you do. Yeah, so uh, I'm the founder and CEO of Halfback, and I've kind of come up this way through a, you know, operations background, working with you know various e-commerce merchants and helping them with their operations, supply chain, and of course a big part of that being returns. Mm -hmm. Okay, so yeah, we'll get into Halfback in a little bit, but let's just start off by talking about the state of returns in e-commerce as a whole. I just read um, in the Economist that around 20% of online sales last year were returned and something like over 200 billion in value. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so yeah, a little over $200 billion just in the US alone uh, returned last year. And that's, um, you know, a increase, you know, year over year, we're seeing that continue to increase as you referenced, you know, 20% of all e-commerce orders uh, being returned last year. Um, you know, that's partly driven by we're starting to see a, a new demographic come into e-commerce, that shift that COVID kind of helped push along. Mm -hmm. um, and just kind of as a reference point, brick and mortar hovers around 8 to 10%. You know, okay. So on average, we're seeing double for e-commerce. Just you don't get that tactile experience of kind of going into the store, seeing the item. If it's apparel, it's trying it on. If it's electronics, it's kind of you know, using that uh, the interface there in the store. So yeah, as a as a benchmark, e-commerce, you know, doubles what a traditional brick and mortar would do. Mm -hmm. And I I heard that like fast fashion and shoes especially are way higher than twenty percent. It's more like thirty or forty. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and anything in that kind of fashion category where, you know, fit, um, color, just all those kind of buyer specific items are a little more fluid than mm -hmm. maybe you might see in, in, in a hard line type of category. So yeah, those can 30, 40, even up to 50%. That 20% average is of course kind of balanced out with, like I mentioned, your hard lines that may be low teens um, mm -hmm. kind of help bring the average down a little bit. But yeah, I mean, you definitely have uh, product verticals that are kind of reaching, you know, a, a one and three, one and two return rate. Mm -hmm. So for the, the ones that aren't as high in the lower teens what types of product are those and what are the reasons that people are returning them if it doesn't have anything to do with like like your shoe size or how it looks on you um what are the reasons that people are are returning those yeah so i can kind of reach back into some of my experience working with a, a home decor brand so that's kind of that that low teens you know oftentimes what we saw um, it could be as simple as, you know, our imaging, you know, there still was potentially some, you know, kind of color 
not irregularities, but you know, they they bought a lamp and they thought it was a certain shade of blue. They get it in their house, and with the the natural lighting and everything going on there, it's not the blue they thought it was. It doesn't match the decor. You know, their expectations of the quality. You know, maybe they thought a piece was, um, you know, actual brass or metal, and it was painted plastic. So, you know, a lot of those were just things that you know, from a, a marketing perspective, could have been prevented with better, you know, copy and content out there. So that was a lot of what we would see, you know, when you get in those hardline things, there still are, you know, a huge percentage, I think it's, you know, over 85% just kind of fall in this bracket of buyer's remorse. So, mm -hmm. you know, we, we get it in, you know, whatever the product may be, we get it into our house, we hold it, we look at where we're going to put it, we, we try it on and we just say, you know what, this just isn't meeting that expectation I had when I checked out. Mm hmm so I, there's also some news came out. This was a couple of weeks ago about H and M. Um, they were going to start charging a fee. What did you think about that? Yeah, so you see a couple. Zeros is another one that's trying to do what they can to claw back at this kind of overwhelming shift. You know, over fifty percent of retailers now, and this is you know big, big brands all the way down to your D to C offer free shipping now. So I mean, it's definitely become. Uh, the the expectation, but you do see some brands, you know, like H and M, trying to claw back at that a little bit, and you know maybe they offer free returns if you take it to their store, but you know if you want to ship it back, they're going to charge you for it. So, you know, it's interesting. Um, you know, I think the uh, what do I say? The, the horse is out of the barn on that now. That mm -hmm. I think you're going to have to see a a push from the top down. And when I say top, I mean, the Amazons, the Walmarts, the really big players um, start to reverse this expectation of free shipping for individual brands to really be successful there because mm -hmm. there is so much competition now, you know, H and M uh, you know, I, when I talked to somebody else about this, I try to find kind of a, a peer brand and, you know, American Eagle jumped out at me. So, I mean, you've got so many, really close competitors in the space that, you know, if you're not offering free returns and they are, unless you have an extremely loyal brand following, you're going to lose out on those sales to somebody that's offering a better customer experience on the return side of things. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. That makes sense that, uh, from top down, if Amazon could step in, you know, they were the ones that set that standard with their right. yeah. free shipping prime day, um, but even with Prime accounts, we pay 120 a year for right. that free shipping. Yeah, so it's free shipping, but it's kind of buried in that, that membership fee. And then they kind of cover it up with all the other offerings. They they say you get you know free shipping, free return shipping, you know, prime video and all that. But yeah, it's all it's all in there. Yeah, I would pay for prime video anyway. So yeah. <laughs> um so for the smaller brands, the independent ones. Right now, how do most of them handle their returns? Yeah, so so it's a mix. So you know, when we talk to merchants, you know, we mainly focus in that D 2 C space right now. You know, it's a mix. Um, you know, a good number of them right now do charge for free returns on the smaller uh, end of the brands. Once you get into that medium, larger size, they are offering free returns. And they're handling those either through a software interface or returns management software, email and customer service, asking for return labels. So, you know, we see anything, uh, we see brands off, you know, charging restocking fees and charging return shipping. And then we see some that, that offer kind of a no questions asked, trying to match that that big box uh, Amazon, you know, return experience. Mm -hmm. 
which do you think is the right way for like a, a smaller brand? Um, I think you have to figure out a way to make it work for your business. There, there are obviously a lot of costs and that's why, you know, not everybody has moved that way, you know, from the actual cost of the shipping, mm -hmm. uh, to your warehouse overhead. And then of course, you know, what are you going to do with that product when it comes back? How do you prevent it from being dead stock? So, uh, you know, 70 plus 75 plus percent of shoppers start on Amazon. So that psychology of free shipping, free returns is baked in now. So we, mm -hmm. we have that, you know, in our head, once we kind of exit and maybe we have an idea of what we want or a brand we want to shop, we go to their site. I'm already expecting free shipping. I'm already expecting free returns. And if I end up on your site and I don't, I don't see that, that's definitely going to affect conversion. So, um, I, you know, definitely encourage, you know, if you're, you know, any size of, of a brand to figure out creative solutions um, that uh, that would allow you to offer free returns just so you can continue to compete. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was talking, I was doing a customer interview a few months ago and this, this woman, she was in New York, she was talking about Macy's and how there was a, a shirt she wanted that was like $20, but there was a $35 threshold to get the free shipping. So she bought two shirts. As soon as she got them, the one she didn't want, she just returned and just yeah. thought, eh, you know, it's it's on them for making me get over that threshold. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that, that kind of, again, goes back into some creative accounting, a little bit of marketing, trying to get people to, you know, build their basket a little bit higher. Um, so, yeah, it can potentially backfire uh, when re, you know customers go in kind of with that uh, mentality of, "Hey, I'm a, I'm gonna play chess with you. I know you're trying to get me to build my basket. Well, I'm just gonna return that item anyway." So, um, you know, again, that kind of goes back into that that buyer psychology of, you know, are we encouraging them to reach a certain threshold so that we can purely build a basket or mm -hmm. is it so you know we've done the math and that's so we can make sure we have all of our shipping both ways covered um, that's why when, when we talk to brands and we kind of do more uh not just a you know a, we, we talk software solutions but we also talk consulting of you know let's go holistic end to end what are you doing on your returns piece you know, we talk about the accounting behind pricing the item. So right. we all know, everybody knows there's no such thing as a free lunch. So when you say free shipping, it's buried in the price of the product. Okay. So we encourage, um, you know, our customers that we work with to say, you know, kind of go in with that same mentality, but it's a fractional amount. So we know to go back to that 20% return rate that, you know, if I anticipate one in five items coming back and say uh, the, the freight's $10, maybe my warehouse overhead is, you know, another $5. So, you know, $15 to process one return. Well, I need to recover that over five items that I sell. So divide it by five, $3, add $3 to every item, just as you add, you know, the, the shipping cost. Mm -hmm. And then that kind of helps you break even across, you know, all of your sales to recover your return cost on the one in five that you get back. So just some other ways that brands can get creative to, to make sure that they stay whole, uh, especially with, you know, e-commerce and certain, you know, of course, certain products are already very thin on margin. So, yeah. you know, just find creative solutions so that you can still offer free returns and, you know, offer a good experience to your customers without, you know, too much trickery in, in terms of, you know, trying to hit certain spend thresholds. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. Yeah. So from the customer's perspective, it seems like, I guess, you know, growing up, always buying offline, you know, you just go to the store and return it. And that was never a problem because they can refold and stock or whatever. But it seems like in e-commerce, people still view that as just part of the process. But on the other side, there's a lot of environmental impact going on that I don't think people realize. Correct. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of that, of course, you know, originates with the return shipping. So um, instead of me driving five, 10 miles down the store, whether it's to the mall or to Target or Walmart, you know, drop something off, um, you know, now we've got to, you know, still drive, drop it off, postal carrier, they ship it, it goes through one, two, maybe three hubs, changes truck to truck, finally gets last mile delivered to the warehouse. So you've got this whole additional leg of what, you know, the industry calls reverse logistics. That's, mm-hmm. you know, just, that's purely carbon emissions. Then you get it back to the warehouse and it's not as simple as put it back on the rack. And, and again, even with, you know, the brick and mortar returns, it depended on the product, you know, a lot of your returns. And again, I can even kind of go back and reference, you know, some of my previous experience where we also, in addition to e-commerce, we sold brick and mortar. And a lot of those returns, they didn't always necessarily go back on the shelf. They actually went to the back room, they palletized them up, and either they they would actually push them back on, on the vendor or they would liquidate them. So, you know, even in the brick and mortar, not everything actually makes it back to the shelf as much as you would like and you know, kind of believe that it would. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's amplified with e-commerce because, again, we got items going back to a warehouse and they've got to be packaged a certain way and not every warehouse is kind of built to accommodate um, repackaging to kind of tier one factory standards. So consumers have a high expectation. I'm buying a new item. To me, it needs to look like it rolled off the factory floor. So, you know, mm-hmm. tags intact, everything looks beautiful. Packaging is great. No, no wrinkles, dents, creases. You know, you open up a box, um, all that internal packaging is to still be intact. And, you know, it, by the time it you know, goes through that full cycle, gets kicked around a few different hubs and gets back to your warehouse, it unfortunately doesn't meet those standards anymore. And so now, you know, you as a brand have to communicate with your warehouse or if you're doing it in-house, okay, now what do we do with this item? And mm-hmm. that just, it just continues to snowball from there. You're there, unfortunately, you know, 6 billion pounds of, of returned items are thrown away every year because retailers just, they get it back and they say, I don't have a channel for this. I don't want to throw good, you know, good money after bad, trying to, you know, figure out an additional solution. Um, so items get thrown away. And we, we're seeing that a lot, uh, you know, kind of popping up in, in news these days with returns getting more attention. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing all of this combined is kind of where you came up with your idea of halfback. Yeah, yeah, this was kind of being in the trenches, you know, watching this problem unfold, trying to figure out a solution internally for our business and that's kind of one of those light bulb moments that went off and said hey instead of you know, shipping all this stuff back where again uh, you know kind of laid out you know all the touch points um that's you know, not only additional carbon emissions each touch point is another opportunity for damage which leads to product going to landfill so let's cut all that out let's keep the product moving forward to another customer so forward logistics instead of reverse logistics which is essentially what brands would have hoped to have done when they got the product back. You know, they get it back and they're able to resell it. Well, they got to send it forward again anyway. So we're kind of a kind of matching that, that process of let's keep the product moving forward. 
uh, kind of exchange all those hard costs of the return shipping, the warehouse, you know, the, the markdowns for liquidation, the losses we take on throwing away or donating inventory, offer a discount on the marketplace to sell to another customer to come along and buy this item. So, you know, keeping product in customers' hands out of landfills and eliminating this whole extra leg of reverse logistics. I really like that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, so you essentially have built a marketplace for this. Correct. And I, I was on the website earlier. It said join the wait list. So when is it going to be launched? Or is yes. it launched? Yeah, so we're we're hoping um, you know by the end of this year, especially before peak return season, you know we are a, kind of a new first to market software. So we're we're building our beta group of merchants, mm -hmm. and once we feel we've got a solid list of merchants and you know enough inventory running through the marketplace, right now items kind of are, are bypassing the marketplace and it's purely a returns management software at the moment. Mm -hmm. You know, once we feel we've we've hit that that benchmark of enough merchants pushing enough you know, re returned items to the marketplace. We'll open up that marketplace for shoppers to come along. Uh, you know, they'll be able to view uh, retailers' catalogs. So what we do is we pull retailers' entire catalogs. We we sync with their um, Shopify store so that shoppers can come in and say, hey, I love this item. You know, sign up for kind of a, a wait list, a wish list for it. So as soon as the return is initiated, they can go ahead and, and buy that item. They get a great deal. Merchant saves a ton of money. The new buyer, uh, it's a brand discovery play as well. So new, new buyers come along, they, they find great product that they love, discover new brands, get a great deal. And then the environment saves, you know, we're eliminating all of this additional environmental impact that, you know, kind of a, the traditional returns process creates. That's awesome. I really do like that. <laughs> um, so I signed up for the, for the wait list. So I'm looking forward to diving into it, but if I'm a merchant, how could I reach out to you and and kind of get on that list? Yeah, so we've got kind of two two sides to our solution. So we have you know where you uh, ended up and signed up for the wait list, but from that page, and we also have merchants.halfback.com. Mm -hmm. Merchants can kind of come to us directly, uh, learn a little bit more about our solution, sign up. That piece of the software is live. We're onboarding merchants onto that today. It's easy, couple clicks of a button, and we can have you um, set up with the customer returns portal. So that's where your customer goes, um, initiates their return, pulls up their order, indicates why they want to return it, generate shipping labels. Um, product you know, automatically syncs to the marketplace, and we'll push returns there once we turn that on. Um, so that piece is live. You know, merchants can come um, get onboarded with us today, and then hopefully soon we'll, we'll flip the switch and uh, turn on that marketplace. Cool. I like it. Um, yeah, I will put those links in the show notes so people can find you. Perfect. Thank you. And yeah, thanks for coming on. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Thanks again to Brian for coming on. You can find the show notes and the follow-up article at heroesofecommerce.substack.com. Um, subscribe over there and we will see you next time.